follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm doing quite well, Shad. Yeah, cool. we've, been, we've been a couple of chatty Cathy's tonight. We're starting yeah. pretty late because we won't shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I did just jump on the stage coast and take the reins to get the ball rolling. Well, you know, Ooh. like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pull the the curtain back a little bit. And it was obvious from last week, but some weeks we double record. And for mm-hmm. some reason like we've we've had a lot of two week gaps in the summer just because it's hard for us to get on the same page in the summer, but it's felt like forever since I've podcasted with you guys and it's only been 2 weeks. Yeah, that's uh for the, our listeners, that it was kind of for my benefit. I was out of town uh, for a wedding in L.A., so there was a lot of travel involved. Um, I came back actually like sick, not like I don't think I had a virus, but I had like allergies or something. But so yeah, we we doubled up, which was kind of like to, for my benefit. But yeah, it did seem it it seems like a lot has happened. Maybe it's because like with that wedding, I had a lot going on, but it does seem like quite a long time. It's well, been the- a busy two weeks. And the, yeah. the last show, the last show was the last recording was a little weird because Jr. kind of just fell into our laps because we were talking about doing a special recording and he was just like an hour before he's like, oh, I can do it tonight. And we're like, oh, scramble, scramble, scramble. Mm-hmm. So, I, I thought it still went well. So oh no, it did. But I mean, it, it was just it was just a weird recording. Like it was it was different. Like I I actually I listened to the stuff of him talking about being a booker and I found that part fascinating. So if you guys haven't listened to the old episodes, go back, check those out. Um, Especially part two where he talks about his experiences because he gets into some of his booking, which uh, I would really love to maybe weasel him back on and pick his brain like for booking. Okay. Well, um, we may do that in the future. I want to go ahead and get a few things out of the way. First of all, you all heard our social media bumper. Uh, Second, uh, we need to shout out to our affiliate. That would be a Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarandElbowBrand.com. I've been saying the URL wrong. Uh, it's it's wrestling gear for wrestling fans. It's good, high-quality stuff. If you use the promo code for Corners Podcast, that's the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, with no spaces, you get 10% off your order. And they have brought back the original mirror image shirt for twelve bucks right now. Uh, I have two of them. They're incredibly comfortable. It's a great, nice, minimalist design. Check them out. And then I am. Uh, I'm actually waiting for them to get their Waffle House uh, shirts back in uh, in medium. They're oh, sold out of the medium. 
they're oh, wow. out of stock on the medium, uh, and that's what I want the most. But I, I, I think I'm probably still going to put it in order because uh, they have some other stuff I want. Cool. I actually just got an order from them. I got the collar and elbow dad hat because <laughs> of everyone on this podcast. If we go by vol- sheer volume, I'm the most dadly, and I figured I needed a dad hat, so it's good hat. Um, I haven't gotten anything. I've gotten a number of things from them, and nothing. Everything I've gotten from them has been quality. And uh, I've met them. Matt's met them. They've been good folks. So check them out. I and then one, I do have one complaint about their shirts: is I've gotten two shirts from them, and I've managed to stain both of them with food, and I do not know <laughs> how. I've had shirts for years. I've never gotten a stain on, and both of those, my my yellow wrestling sport of kings i've gotten two stains out of that and then i go right back and stain it again i do not know what the <laughs> hell is wrong with me in those shirts but there's I... they do have a lot of uh colorful shirts which i do appreciate it's not yeah. just the it's not just the usual black t-shirt that you see most wrestling companies go with which is fine yeah. and the the i like the, the the um that they use the more comfortable like the more comfortable material mm-hmm. yeah Oh yeah, because there's nothing worse than getting like a shirt, and like it's got that like really inelastic, like cottony feel, and you feel like you're just wearing like a piece of armor around. <laughs> it's it's stiff. Yeah, and probably a little scratchy too. Or like when you get those hot topic shirts, and like the first time you wash them, like the vinyl like tears, and you're just like, well, that's twenty dollars <laughs> I wasted. Yeah. So, uh, we encourage you guys check them out. It's it's worth checking out. We wouldn't have partnered with them if they weren't. And then we also have to do a shout out, um, Matt. I believe I believe this usually falls to you. Uh, that would be to the man himself, Epico Cologne, the WWC champion, WWC Universal, Universal champion. champion. I always forget the Universal part. Um, but we have some we have uh, some news about Epico. Yeah, he's man. not well one. He's not on WWE programming. That's not where you're going to see him, apparently. Um, but he is with the WWC, which is uh, his father's company. His father you know, put that company on the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like they're doing a storyline, guys, which uh, our, our good friend, I'll give a shout out here, a friend of the show, Justin, mm-hmm. uh, sent this link to me, and he's like, I found Epico. And it was a link about the storyline they're doing right now in the WWC where Epico had won the Universal title. Uh, and then I don't know who this uh, heel is, but I guess there was a heel, like a longtime rival of the Colognes. Uh, he basically set it up so uh, Epico's first challenger is actually going to be Primo. So he the, the heel is kind of trying to to start a family feud there, but it's working because now, now apparently things are getting heated between Epico and Primo and you have kind of like a family feud that's, that's happening a little bit of shades of Brett versus Owen, uh, in the modern day era. Uh, I don't know. I actually want to see this really bad because this actually sounds like a super fascinating storyline. You can watch most of their TV on YouTube. I don't know if they'll show that. Yeah, it's um, WWC Lucha is the channel, and they usually do their they usually put their TV up. I I do watch it intermittently. I am going to warn you though, it's really sad. Like the matches and stuff are really good. It's obviously in Spanish, which makes me sad because um, 
the guy in Reddit that like broke that storyline down, it sounds absolutely fascinating and better than anything WWE's done in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's in Spanish, um, which isn't a big deal. I've watched a lot of stuff in Spanish, but they work these buildings and like 50 people show up oh. because wrestling is just dying in Puerto Rico. Uh, and it's I been mean, dying for like I a think, decade. I was going to say, I, was, I would think that would come more on the, the lack of money right now, but... Well, no, they've made they've made some like really poor talent decisions, like pushing children of like former popular stars that weren't very good and things like that. Mm-hmm. They've made some poor decisions. Of which we are been... not we are not talking about Epico and Primo either. And they they've <laughs> always, if you look at the history of the WWC, they just kind of. They just kind of keep going through entropy. Like anytime like a new promotion comes in, they usually overtake WWC in popularity. And then WWC doesn't so much win as the other company just kind of flames out and goes out of business. Okay. Because even in like the 2000s, like um, the IWA was beating them. Okay. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's like the, the matches and stuff are good, but the talent like, doesn't have good gear um yeah and like from what i've heard there's just been bad booking decisions over the years gotcha well be that as it may uh i am actually really curious about this storyline so i actually just went on uh, youtube and i subscribed to wwc lucha so i'm gonna try and watch some of those episodes Hmm? yeah i see i see episodes i see one that the, the little the thumbnail is uh, Epico and Primo, and they look like they're in a heated argument. So that's an episode I'm going to watch. And the matches, the matches are pretty solid most weeks. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So that's that's cool. That's fun. We'll be looking forward to uh, to seeing how that uh, how that turns out. There's also another piece of news that's come up here recently. Uh, Brad, would you like to give us the background on what's happened with Rev? so there was a show this the timeline's a little funky because um and we'll get into why it's a little funky so this is coming up on a week and a half ago now um because the the fallout happened the weekend after this happened like there was like a weird delay where it really hit like the united states because of um i think the video hit last weekend and that's how it kind of blew up well it blew up on reddit from the the referee in question posting on reddit first and then then, the video came out the video definitely did hit this weekend because it was a big story at least on sunday on wrestling twitter because several different people commented on it yeah so then um do you you said their names before matt can you i mean uh shad can you tell me what the names of the two it was um shaw samuels and uh, I think is it Jeremy or Josh Bodom? Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, Josh Bodom. Josh, Josh Bodom. I knew okay. it was Jake something. Yeah. Same here. So, and the ref um, is uh, the ref is Aaron Wild. That's his name. Okay. okay. So this show was going. I guess it was running like way over. And um, so, uh, they're having this tag match, and they were they were they were plan to lose from what I've heard. And um, so Bodum was getting covered and didn't kick out 
Um, so the ref counted the three, which, uh, according to Shad, the ref's supposed to do that in other referees. Like, the refs are not going to look stupid in most cases, especially, like, the better ones. Right. So he didn't... He forgot to kick out for whatever reason. I don't know why. So the match is over. Even though they're going to lose, they just got cut off by five minutes. So then the Shaw guy, I guess, just picks up the referee and slams him. And then Bodum attacks him on the outside. I guess he need him like right in the face. He's unloaded on that ref. Yeah. If you, if you've seen the video, which it's probably easy to find, it's, it's probably easy to find, especially if you go on Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, you don't, you don't get a, a perfectly clear angle of it. Uh, but the video, if the one, it's the one. I don't think there's only one, but the one I'm thinking of specifically. If you're, it's they're in kind of the bottom left as where the camera is facing, but you can see him, and he is clearly wailing on the guy, and it's not worked punches. He's like punching the guy in the face. He does knee him in the face. Uh, he's literally he's lighting the the guy up like it's legit. Yeah. And the, then the referee, I guess, posted that he's he's pretty much. He's not sure he's ever going to referee again because he's really like screwed up from yeah. this. Yeah, he, he said he had, one, he's got he, uh, head and neck injuries, is what he said. He didn't specify exactly what, but yeah. One thing to also point out is if if you're getting a worked beatdown, you notice that people lay there, right? In this case, Bodum is firing away at the ref, and the ref is trying to block it and like get loose from him and shove him away. This is very clearly not a worked beatdown. This is Bodum just just beating on a uh, a guy in a striped shirt, basically. Now, there's a follow up to this. Yeah, Brad asked me about you know what a ref's supposed to do. We all everywhere I went, the ref was like, if they're down and you count, you count three, right? You just count three, and if they don't kick out, that's their damn fault. But um, Bodum was supposed to be on a follow-up show and that uh, Pete Dunn was on. And someone asked Dunn, hey, who are you supposed to be facing at this? And he says, oh, I want Bodum. After the video came out, uh, Shaw Samuels released an apology. So I guess credit enough to him, he released an apology, said, I screwed up. He's still a fucking douche, though. Well, yeah, he is and a the douche. Com- he is. And, the com- and the company, RevPro, like... I'm just going to say this. I've thought about buying RevPro stuff before. I will never, never give RevPro one cent of my money because they fucking tried to say there was no video of this and they were just going to all let it slide. And the only reason they fucking did anything is because a fan like released a video. Yeah, I'll speak to that point. They they put out a statement, which is, of course, all this really blew up, whether it started with Reddit or Twitter. It blew up about a week after the actual incident happened. And they put out a statement, which was, of course, very self-serving. But they basically said, oh, no, like we were we were just waiting to get all the facts. And it's like, I, I don't think so. I think you had all the facts. Like you didn't need a week to kind of what this isn't like a professional investigation. You didn't need to interview a bunch of witnesses like bring them down and put them under the bright lights. Like you, you talk, everyone who was involved, you probably talked to that same day. I agree with you. I think they were basically like, you know, uh, well, let's hope nobody actually makes a big deal about this. Let's look the other way. When it blew up in their face, then they actually took action. That's yeah, that's definitely what it looked like. 
And it did blow up in their face because uh, at least on on Sunday, this past Sunday, uh, wrestling Twitter did kind of explode about it. Like Pete Dunn did uh, make those comments. Uh, he's probably like I guess maybe the most high profile person because he obviously he's he has a big WWE contract. But there was a lot of other indie workers who uh, who made statements. I know uh, Jordan Grace commented on it. Uh, Ethan Page, a few other people. Uh, and of course, the general consensus was that you you don't do this to someone. Like even a referee, maybe they're not a quote unquote worker in the sense of like you know an actual professional wrestler, but they're all kind of part of the family. And you you just don't go into business and actually start physically assaulting someone. So, if you're so, gonna do something with a ref, here okay, from from all the experience I had, if you're gonna do something with a ref, you tell them first. Mm-hmm. You don't just grab them and start doing shit. Even if it's as simple as a scoop slam, every ref that's out there should, should know how to bump. Because you never know when, when the match, you know, your match might have a ref bump in it. Or if for no other reason that if something does happen, they know how to bump correctly to protect themselves. So, if so what, the guy... Can I ask you a question uh, going on to this about just slamming him without asking first? Because there are some people that were defending that, saying he protected him. And to me, even though I'm not trained, I've done martial arts and stuff. There is a difference between doing something willingly and someone just grabbing you and doing something. Like, you can say you're protecting him, but, like, he is not willingly doing it, which means he could get injured in the process just from tensing up. It would more, he would hurt from it. The injury from a scoop slam is, at least to me, less likely. Because I'm saying like I'm saying like you can't truly protect someone that's not willingly. If, yeah, if they're you. not, if you're not, if he had grabbed him and said, "Listen, going to do a scoop slam," and the the ref had been like, "Cool," then it's just up, over, and down, and you don't do it fast so that you can rob the momentum of it, and they go down, and yeah, they're still hitting. Boom but you're not hitting as fast or as hard. So Shaw Samuels, while that was a, a dick thing to do, I I'm less concerned about. Here's the other thing that happened with Bodum. Dunn posted the thing about it. Bodum <clears throat> deleted his Twitter, made his Instagram private. And then someone who had been messaging with him posted the conversation where they were like, Hey, are you going to show up to this? And he said, Hell nah, I'm I quit pro wrestling. So I, in other I words, will, I will give Bodum one little shred of credit. One thing that he did do right in this, he did blow up the Rev Pro promoter in the he? process. He released like a private DM where he was saying he was going to back him like right after it happened. Really? Oh, okay. oh wow. I didn't know that detail. I don't know if it was real or not because you know you can fake those things, but I do think like I think he blew up the promoter in like some That's... point in that. That's pretty like scummy of the promoter, and this Ref Pro is not just like it's it's a British indie, but it's not just any like British indie. Like they have uh, an association with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like their current champion is Hiroshi Tanahashi. So, well, I'd say they're probably they're probably the second biggest indie in. Well, no, they're probably the biggest now because I think progress has really kind of fallen off since NXT UK became a thing. Mm-hmm. Oh well, since they basically cannibalized all of their workers and and their bookers and yeah everything yeah uh, I 
because he's a douche, um, Josh Bodum, he did, I don't know if he deleted his Twitter, just protected it. Uh, but basically the last thing he posted after uh, Pete Dunn did make those comments on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Bodum basically put out one final tweet on September 9th, uh, basically just said Pete Dunn is a pussy. And then he locked his account so that no yeah. one can, you know, no can comment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like what a yeah, what, like a what? pussy. Like he, he physically assaults someone, and then uh, gets all pissy when someone rightfully calls him out for it. So oh, and he's got to get his last shot in yeah. against someone that he quit the business rather than facing the ring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. This guy, sure yeah. thing there. Can People I, started can I ask putting out. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna ask Chad. So on the level of faux pas as a wrestler, you can commit. Like intentional faux pas like this was obviously. Where would this rank like in the hierarchy of like really awful things that's going to make everyone hate you and probably get you beaten up severely? This is taking liberties with someone you shouldn't have been taking liberties with and injuring them. If if you went into a match, it's more than likely that the next match you went into, someone was at the very least going to tater the piss out of you. Um rephrase at the very least someone was just going to beat the living hell out of you if not um if not beat the piss out of you then it it could get a lot worse you know if it was i only ever had one one guy try i've told the story before i only ever had one guy try and take liberties with me and i put a stop to it pretty quick the um if if hey if it had continued, then it would have turned into a full on. We're not having a match anymore. You're watching two guys wearing spandex in a wrestling ring beat the shit out of each other, kind of thing. This is the this would probably go into that real quick, and I'm I'm far more inclined to believe that if he had gone out there with Pete Dunn, Dunn would have just lit him up and so this is i mean it's an extraordinarily shitty thing to do if you know if someone had if if i'd been in a you know i've got a match and i've got a manager and the guy goes out and just cold with with nothing planned no provocation just stiffs my manager i would have just it would have been at least one really hard shot that would have whipped his head back. So, uh, can I can I ask a follow up to that? So, what's the difference between like when you listen to Jim Cornette's uh, podcast? He talks about like a certain level, like when he was there, like of give and take, where a guy would get a little, you know, would potato you a little bit, but that wasn't a big deal because you just get them, like you just remember it and get them back later, and like that there was like an acceptable level of that. I mean, this is obviously over the line, but like what? What like what you're talking about? Where does that cross the line of oh, your manager's just gonna like kick them in the balls later, just like as payback I, versus I you getting mad. mad? Okay, it's a concept called a receipt. If you're out there having a match with somebody and a punch gets away from you, and you you stiff them with it, they're going to stiff you back before the match is over. That's just that's going to be accepted. That's that's kind of the price of not you know not being careful with what you're doing. That's what he's talking about. 
someone yeah. gets someone get gets tatered, you're going to get tatered back. The flip side to it is, like I said, if if someone rolled out to the manager and seriously just knocked the hell out of them, this is no longer oh I'm going to tater you back. This is hey shithead, what the hell is your problem? Um, I, I kind of have a story that goes with this. Uh, there was, well, it's not exactly, but there was the first time I worked for a particular company, I'm there and with some other guys that I knew and we're kind of hanging out and they're doing the main, we've all done our stuff. We're getting geared down. The main's over. The guys come to the back and the, the, the booker had actually been in the main. He knew what he was doing. He was also not the kind of booker that just put himself over all the time, right? You know? He was known. He took it. Out, he he was doing a good job. So let me preface it with that. He looks at the guy. He looks at a guy who it was a, a main event tag. He points at one of the others and goes, "You son of a bitch! That's one of the dumbest damn things I've ever seen somebody do." And it turns out that what had happened is that there was a on the way to the ring when the heels came out. There was a mentally handicapped fan at the rail that spit on one of the the heels and the heel hit him just full-on closed fist, back-fisted him across the face. So apparently they had the course of the match got to the back, and then they go at each other. The booker catches him in a headlock and starts just short-shotting him right between the eyes and then kicks him out of the building, right? That would be, like, the least I would expect because if someone's a manager, there's, there's, there's two things, right? One is they're training. And if they're training, you don't do stuff to people blind, okay? You tell them, look, over the course of this, I'm probably going to hit you with something. Okay, cool. I know it's coming. I can be ready for it. But if you roll out of the ring and I'm going to do something, you know, if you roll out of the ring and I'm just standing there because my job as as the manager is I'm just holding your attention, and you just run over there and you seriously punch me in the face and knock me to the concrete floor because I wasn't expecting to be taking a bump out of this, so I didn't actually bump, and you knocked me down and hit my head on the floor. There's every reason why someone's going to be mad and probably unload on you. Now, let's be honest for a second. In everyday society, you get you call them up for assault. On the other hand, if they go to court for it, what are they going to say? He hit me too hard in a wrestling match. Um, that that doesn't exactly fly, right? I mean, think, think about saying that in a court of law. What what's everyone's perception going to be? Well, you get into that. You get into that with like actual real sports too, where stuff happens. And you're like, you know, if that did not happen on a sports field, that yeah. would have been a crime. And so, what what would it would not surprise me. The best odds I would give for it would be 50-50. I would usually say, oh, this is probably going to happen if you do that. Um, and Bodum already had a reputation for being a dick anyway. He was pretty much blackballed from everywhere but RevPro. So I don't right. know. I don't know why. That's kind of what confuses me, like, from what others have said. Like, why is a company as big as RevPro using... This guy. guy like that. They obviously don't need him. Yeah. So it's. 
you will just dream up an example. Let's say I was still working and Matter Brad came because they were excited and they were thinking about maybe being uh, being a manager and we go to have a match and the guy I'm working with rolls out of the ring, turns around and just stiffs you in the mouth. Just out of note, like your your gig is that you're going to stay in the corner and you're going to hand me a weapon when the time comes. And he just rolls out, turns around, and just, I mean, just clocks you in the mouth. First of all, this is my friend. I'm going to be mad about it. Second of all, you son of a bitch, you're going to abuse that kind of trust and do that? I'm going to show you what happens when I do that. And so, that's that's why, see, some people remark on how wrestling has old, uh, you know, has an old attitude in it. Well, I mean, like I said, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to take it to you're going to take it to take him to court and and be like this happened in a wrestling match, but it was malicious. I mean, how how are we going to know, right? And the guy's no, I was just working. He leaned into it or something. Well, I kind of understand the concept too, though, with what you're saying. Is like if you get in there and a guy's getting a little too excited and giving it to you a little too hard, there's also the you know, hey, settle down. Yeah, you you give them a. Mostly, if I had that sort of stuff happen, I'd probably grab a headlock and pull it they, in real close and be like, "Dude, you need to calm down." Cause, because uh, if you if you stiff me again, I'm going to stiff you back, and you're not going to like it. There, I think it was uh, Doctor Death and Ernie Ladd that Jim Cornette talks about where Doctor Death wasn't cooperating, so Ernie Ladd pretty much just shoved him into the corner with his butt and said, we're going to sit here until you start listening to me. <laughs> I can imagine that in the Ernie Ladd voice, too. We're going to sit here until you start listening to me, son. That's pretty much what, what Cornette said. So, yeah, yeah like, I can, I can understand stuff like that because sometimes, like, I, I take it sometimes the guy's not even being malicious with it. He just needs you to be like, hey, dude, like, chill. Like, Especially with new guys. Is they, get, they get fired up and they get excited and they forget where they are. And it's not that they don't care, and it's not that they're, they just, they lose the forest for the trees, and they get breathing too hard, and and they lose their control, that sort of stuff. Who was that that told someone, like, just punch me for real because your working punches are killing me? Um, I thought Dreamer said that to Cactus Jack. Maybe. I, I, I've heard that being attributed to several different people. So, uh, that's the first one. No, Dreamer looked at Jack and said, please quit hitting me. (laughs) I can't remember. I've heard that story, but I can't remember specifically who it was. I remember remember Foley, in Foley's book, he talked about, like, the first time he worked with Terry Funk. He's like, you're really punching me. He's like, oh, shit, you thought I was actually good? (laughs) Yeah, that was about Terry's (laughs) left hand. He's like, Terry's left hand was a thing of beauty. Here it comes. Here comes the left hand. I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, and he goes, Terry, you just you just hit me as hard as you could. Oh hell, cactus! All this time you just thought I was good. You know, it's it's a great it's a great thing. It's a great line. Um, <laughs> I really wish I could remember who said that. It's just just hit me because your working punches are killing me. I there's all those great like quotes from stuff like that. I can't remember anymore. Now I'm gonna nah God. So, yeah, anyway, like, it just, it's a, I, it was just, I think it's just a needlessly shitty situation. Like, I don't understand why people have to act that way. Yeah. 
it's it's because you know we're kind of talking about that and i know shad has a different perspective on it but like for me it's just like you're doing something fun like why do you have to ruin it with shitty behavior like that like just have fun with it it there's a lot of insecurity that goes into it I know, I know, yeah. because there's that whole like being a mark for yourself and stuff. I just, I just, yeah. yeah. Oh, I okay. Me- Apparently, the joke was that Jerry Lawler said that to Bill Dundee. Oh, okay. So, I, I guess just to me, it up real quick. I guess to me, in like my other walks of life and like the things I've done creatively, is for me, I would rather just have something cool happen than necessarily even come out of it looking good. And I would probably carry that over if I ever trained to be a wrestler. Like I would rather just be, do something cool. Like I don't care if I win, I don't care if I lose, like just let's, let's do something fun and like cool and memorable. Yeah. But you're coming at it from a guy, a secure guy in his thirties, as opposed to this hopped up nervous kid in his early twenties. Yeah, that's true. I think even my 20s, though, I still would have been that way, but that's always been, like, my... Yeah. All right, so... Uh, can, I, from... can I add yes, one more Matt. thing? Go ahead. Uh, this is kind of just for Brad's benefit. Uh, David Starr, is he not one of the big uh, RevPro workers? Yeah, he's one of their main guys. Yeah. Uh, not to kind of, like, talk shit, but he uh, he has a lot to say about WWE, I mean, we have a lot to say about WWE, but he in particular has a lot to say about WWE and, you know, their their business practices and things like that. Uh, he didn't comment on this. Yeah, I know. Sorry. He didn't comment at all on Twitter. He likes to part of his gimmick is he likes to talk about how good he is at Twitter. Uh, he didn't comment anything. The only thing he did was he retweeted something that Eric Stevens actually said, which is basically like respect refs, respect ring crew, respect camera people, respect everyone. Uh, that's apparently all the criticism he could muster, even though he has a lot to say about a lot of other things. Yeah, because, so. I mean, you know, you can you can shit talk Vince all you want, but I'm sure Vince would have had a lot to say about one of his people um, doing this. I believe um, didn't um, Crime Time get fired for messing with a referee? Uh, I've heard that going around, but I can't remember the specifics on it. Yeah, I don't remember. Anything. People, I don't, I can't remember exactly who, but there have been people who, I wasn't, didn't like Alberto Del Rio, was it him or something? Somebody got fired for like talking shit to a writer or throwing something at a writer or something like that. Well, remember Daniel Bryan got fired for choking an announcer with his tie. Yeah. Yeah, and that was something that. I mean, I don't know if it was planned or what, but it was obviously worked. He didn't really like choke him. Right. Yeah, I mean, but, and th- that was obviously we're going to fire you to placate the people upset by this and we're going to hire you in six months. But I mean, yeah, point is, like Vince McMahon has done a lot of like scummy things in his time and probably still will in the future. Mm-hmm. But if if some dude just literally started pounding on one of their referees, even if it wasn't even like on the air, let's just say it was at like a, a house show. You, you don't think that that person would have consequences like they would have serious consequences if i'm pretty i'm pretty sure vince would would fucking storm out there and punch them several times yeah that's i know the joke is out there about locker room leaders but that's part of what locker room leaders do is they call that shit up short so if you get to the back and and the current leaders are 
from what I hear drifting around the current crop of guys, the people regarded as locker room leaders are Roman and Bray. Can you imagine you walk in the back and Roman and Bray square up on you and go, what the hell is your problem? Well, could you, could you imagine, um, could you imagine doing that after seeing what, um, what the revival did to that guy that jumped Bret Hart? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Would you want to walk into them too? Like that's but kind I mean, of an example of, of someone going after someone that should not have their hands put on them and how how badly the wrestlers took it. I mean, I know it's it's a little. Uh, I know it's a little uh, it's a little different, but st- still. But I was actually thinking about it because um, David Starr ran his mouth about something WWE related this past weekend, right before that actually blew up, which was kind of ironic. But I was actually thinking about um, wrestlers that have gotten severely injured while on Vince's watch. And I think most of them, they kept on the payroll. Yeah. He's been fairly good uh, for all the things you can say about Vince. He's been actually fairly good about uh, paying guys who have gotten seriously injured while working there. Yeah. He's also, I mean, you could, you could make your own. A lot of guys under like under the radar to go to like rehab. And yeah. Stuff too. I was just going to say that like you could, I guess there's two ways you could look at it. I mean, there have been people who have died under his watch because of, you know, drug or drug issues, at least like prescription drugs or what have you. But whether it's because of just genuine concern or what, but he has paid for a lot of guys. And, and like you said, there, there are people that you don't even know he's done it. Like it's, it's completely under the radar. It's not as if they're like current workers or have just been released from the company. It's like people that he's, you know, they were, they were workers like 30 years ago that, maybe had like a cup of coffee or were part of his uh, company, but he's, he's paid for a lot of people. And then you hear about it like after the fact, I think he's paid some, I mean, some guys like Scott Hall, he's paid multiple times, but yeah. No, but there was someone, I don't even remember who it was. It was like some really random one that he well, like, well, I'll give another example. It's not about uh, rehab, but uh, not that long ago, Harley race passed away. Uh, I can't remember if we mentioned this on the podcast, but uh, Harley Race, I guess, was not in good financial situation upon his yeah. passing. They didn't have money uh, before he died. They didn't have money, I think, for like the medical transportation. Uh, and someone made a call to Vince, and Vince just wrote a check. Like he immediately paid it. I, he had no problems I've, doing that. I've had my personal theory about Vince McMahon for. Um, this is probably going on 18 or 19 years now. Um, and it's never really gotten traction. I don't espouse a lot because people have like really strong opinions on him. But my opinion with Vince has always been that, well, Vince is obviously a broken human being because of, I mean, if you've heard how he grew up, it wasn't, didn't sound fun. And he's obviously got some sociopathic tendencies, but I actually think what happens in these situations and like the way Vince acts with stuff is I actually think Vince actually deeply cares about everyone he hires, but Vince is like a broken human being. So like his way of showing that is not how like a normal human being does that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how you get like, so like, I think like when CM Punk was talking about like some of the stuff Vince said that he thought he was being disingenuous with, I actually think Vince was being genuine about like it being a family and stuff. Vince just doesn't know how to, how to like 
properly show like that he cares about people. Mm. That's an interesting thought. Because like if you if you really look at his actions versus like what you hear about him, his actions are always that of someone that cares most times. Like mm. personally, not the company. Because you know, I think that's one of the things you have to remember. He can't take care of everyone. Mm-hmm. And like, what what is he on the hook for for someone that worked there for six months that worked on the Indies for twenty years and like destroyed their body? Mm. But you know, I mean, like he does take care of a lot of guys. Like think about Draws. Like Draws has had a job for life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm pretty sure he didn't have whatever talent they wanted, but they were like, okay, we're going to find like something for you to do. Right. Right. Okay. So that's, that's some heavy stuff. Um, we talked about some heavy stuff. I want to bring us to the, uh, the main topic for the podcast. And this one was actually requested, uh, by someone. So if there's a topic out there that you all want to hear, let us know. We're going to talk about belt shenanigans, which leads me to a joke. Breaking news, guys. Did you hear there's a new there's a, a new wrestler who's got a new personal endorsement deal? No. Yes. <laughs> there's a seltzer water company that's endorsed a wrestler, which means Chris Jericho's endorsing a little bit of the bubbly. Womp, 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 womp. So can we say that this is probably the best? Can we say that this was probably like the best like wrestling storyline that's happened this year? Yeah. Well, you know what I can say, Brad. What's that? Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> a little bit of the bubbly. I... A little bit of the bubbly. There's a guy. <laughs> a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> There's um, someone put. Uh, you know how, like, on YouTube, people get cute? Uh, someone put that phrase, a little bit of the bubbly, uh, just basically looped it, and it's a 10-hour video. <laughs> <laughs> someone did that with, someone did that with, because, with, um, remember when uh, Noam Dar was with um, Alicia Fox? Mm-hmm. They, um, they did his Alicia Fox, like, thing over and over again, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. hilarious every time. But, um... Dude, the memes this past week yeah. were uh, fast and furious. They were just people were were taking like rock music videos, yes. and then like the chorus, whatever. They were just looping in a little bit of the bubbly, and yes. and Jericho was just retweeting most of them, and Jericho each one just got it. each one just got better than the the last. It was fantastic. Uh, and Brad, I agree. This is for something that happened very randomly uh, <laughs> and inadvertently. They really like ran away with it, and it became like it. It actually something that could have been an embarrassing situation, just wound up being beloved and being like utterly hilarious and fantastic. I, I liked Cody's tweet of I pers- I prefer uh, Outback Steakhouse myself <laughs> yes. because well because like I was reading the story, and you know, it was all serious at first, but I don't know what it was about the fact that he was eating at a Longhorn that just made it like. <laughs> So funny. Yeah. Well, it, it. I can tell you what I think it is. Because it's, it's not guys, even like Longhorn's trashy or anything. Like it just there was something about it being a Longhorn that just added the humor to it. A Longhorn, a part of the Darden Restaurant Group, 
which if you don't know the Darden Restaurant Group, they own such other fine establishments as uh, Olive Garden and uh, Lobster House. Red Lobster, sorry. <laughs> Red Lobster. Wait, Virgil's tweet. Did you remember Virgil's oh, tweet? Yeah. He said, if you would have gone... <laughs> If you would have gone to Olive Garden and pay me to bodyguard you, none of this would have happened. Here's a here's a lapsed fan callback. Uh, Virgil with that meat sauce, he would have protected that belt. <laughs> oh man, I, I was going to say that the the thing that made Longhorn funny is for a guy that spends so much time talking up Omaha steaks. What's he doing going to Longhorn? Is um. Is is Red Lobster like a nationwide chain still, or is that just something that you have to like have regional understanding of to like get? I don't know. Get. I know. I know the Boondocks made jokes about the Cheddar Bay biscuits, so maybe it's nationwide. I think it's nationwide. I mean, there's some in the DC metro area. Yeah, because I would say. I would say there's varying degrees. So I would say Red Lobster is obviously the trashiest of their establishments. Um, Olive Garden, it kind of teeters that trashy line, and then when, Olive Garden is is when you want you when you want salad that's swimming in vinaigrette and microwaved pasta. Well, no, I, and, and, I pretty and you much want only... them to, mm-hmm. and you want the, and they're like, do you want cheese on everything? It's like, no, get away from me. <laughs> oh, see, I asked for the cheese. Um, I only like, really go to I only really go to Olive Garden when they have never-ending pasta. Yeah, that's coming up actually. It is coming up. Would Would you like some of pepper? Thank and, uh, you, the, Pepper Boy. That's a perfect amount of pepper. I only and the their um that spicy potato soup is good. My problem is, I mean, oddly enough, based in Lexington, there is an Italian chain called Fazoli's. And yeah, we have Fazoli's here. That's like more of a fast foodie. It is, but I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like that I've had more stuff I liked at Fazoli's than I did at Olive Garden. They just don't bring as many breadsticks as Fazoli's as they used to. You just go up and get more. They used to have people bring a huge basket and walk around and offer it to you. Yeah, they never did that there, but we're probably not as classy here as Kentucky is. Ah, darn tootin'. Um... But, so, if you've been under a rock, let's fill you in real quick. Chris Jericho wins, spoilers, the AEW title. Chris, Damn it, I haven't seen the show yet. <laughs> it makes you feel like well, I haven't gotten to watch it either. Uh, yeah, I, that, three for three, I have not seen the show yet. Him, him, uh, him, him having the belt makes sense, though. Yeah, it does. I think it makes sense. But he does his... He does his Little bit of the bubbly promo, which still amuses me because it's good shit. I and did watch the promo. Did you, those jokes. Did you guys see the promo that, that this all came from? Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And then apparently Jericho took a limo, what to the airport and then to Longhorn. Yeah, there was. It, I think the Longhorn was in the airport. Oh, okay. Because, so, like, if you go to the airport in Columbus, there is, like, a Max and Irma's in the airport. Okay. He left the title belt in the limo. Now, this is, I'm not saying this is a stretch limo. It's probably a town car with a driver, but he left the belt in there. Which leads me to believe, this is an assumption, that the driver was there. Probably. Not certainly, but probably. And then 
someone steals the belt out of the limo. And then we get, we get, not only do we get the bubbly memes, but then we get all kinds of theories about who stole the belt. For me, the, the one that amuses me the most is Adam Page riding away on his horse with the belt. (laughs) Doing cowboy shit, but. I actually, I actually had a, until the cops found it, which ruined my ideas, if I was in (laughs) AEW shoes, I would have. I would have done like John Moxley stole it. Okay. Well, they couldn't exactly work it because they did show a copy of the police report. Yeah. Because it was actually stolen. And they're like, look, we can't work this. We have to have a police report. We can't work this. You can't file how many, a police report. Just an off question. How many, how many pictures of how many cops in that police department do you think there are of them with the belt around their waist? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the first thing I did if I was one of those guys. <laughs> so uh, to follow up what Matt said, probably all of them. I mean, I won't. I won't lie. Like, I don't own a replica belt. Maybe one day I will. We we've kind of expressed before. Like, I think the only belt I would really, really want to get is uh, like belt, but. Our our mutual friend Damien, like at his wedding, he he owns several yeah. replica belts, and he brought them to the wedding, and you know guests were taking photos with them, and I I got some photos with the belts, and it's it's fun. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool to kind of pretend you're a champion, like holding the belt up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I felt very Ric Flairish, mm-hmm. or like a you know like that sort of like an old school heel, because like, I was dressed in a in a suit, holding the belt up, like I was a uh, I was the old school heel challenging the face, mm-hmm. or, or actually the face challenging me. I guess would be the right. better way to put it. But it, it, you know, I've never actually—I don't think I've ever actually touched even a replica championship belt. They're heavy. Yeah, I would figure. Yeah, my—I uh, went. I did an event not long ago, and they asked me to to come in. <clears throat> uh, some Mick Foley costume I have, so I took my belt with me. And there were some people that, oh, can I hold the belt for it? And I was like, yeah, you can hold it. And I'm still holding on to one end because there's some people. I've seen some people try and take off with people's stuff before. And uh, that's what I got every time. It's, wow, that's that's heavy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they weigh about, like, what, a solid 8 to 10 pounds? Um, yeah. Perhaps more than that. <laughs> ah, the 20 pounds of gold, right? Um. But I don't know what do uh, you guys have a favorite theory on uh, of a favorite conspiracy. Let's get our tinfoil hats on what happened with that. Who stole it? I'm OK. So do you want do you want facetious or do you want like a real idea? I'm not going with real idea because that's that's not as much fun. Oh, <laughs> let's have some fun with this. Um, hmm. That was I said mine. Adam Page doing cowboy shit and riding away with it on the horse. What do you think? Tupac and Biggie Smalls are gonna sell it for <laughs> I don't know some walking around money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, here's something else. Doesn't Jericho know that whenever you do that, you're supposed to put those those fancy things people would steal under the seat. You're supposed to tuck them up under there. <laughs> I'm 
curious, like, I'm, I, I, I'm sure we'll never know, but I am curious, like, what really happened. Like, if it, if someone, like, stole it, like, thinking they were going to sell it and then realized it was too hot, or if, like, some, like, fan, like, tried to, like, make off with it and felt guilty or something. Well, I mean, what are you going to do with it after you've taken off with it? You can't tell anyone you have it because they're going to know what you did. You can't sell it because it's too obvious what it is and who you are and how you got it. What, what are you going to do with it, right? Yeah. Matt, do you have do you have a, a fun theory? I don't, actually. I wish I could give a witty joke here, but I don't. I don't have a fun theory. I was actually just enraptured by the fact that, that the damn belt actually got stolen. I think most, like, everyone else, uh, we were kind of just like, well, no, wait, 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 really? Like, that actually happened? So, yeah, yeah I don't yeah, have a funny joke. Yeah, because hasn't been... The worst thing that's happened with the belt for a long time, and I don't remember who it was, was was it Ring of Honor that someone accidentally left the belt somewhere? Like, way back in, like, the mid-2000s or something? Uh, let me see. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Was Was the... Okay, so the show was in Illinois. Damn. Okay. I for some reason in my I remember there being a joke somewhere in my head that it was that the the theft took place in Florida. Yeah, I felt like it was Florida too. Well, because then it could be Florida man steals belt and my follow-up joke is why is Big E stealing the AEW belt? That would be even better if Biggie stole it. I know, right? <laughs> it's his, um, it's his, it's his, um, oh, fuck. His, it's, it's his dowry for, to Becky to marry her mother. <laughs> yeah, it's a dowry. <laughs> Becky's mom. <laughs> Becky's mom has got it going. I want to call it an endowment. I'm like, that's not, that's not what that is. It's a, yeah. Uh, so then, um. Yeah. Chad, I have a question. So you've obviously been a wrestler, and you've obviously... I know I've seen a picture of you with a company's title belt at some point uh-huh. in your career, so I know you won at least one. So, like, yep. what is the protocol on the indies for, like, when you win a belt? I know you said the companies are different, so, like, what happened, like, when you got that belt? Well, with the one... Most of the companies I went to, they're like, okay, we're here. Here's the uh, Here's the belt go do your thing. Whenever you get back, you give us the belt back. And the reason that typically like the very first company I worked for was run by a guy named chillin Chuck Roberts. And someone asked him about it at one point and Chuck's like, listen, man, if you come and work for me, I'm going to trust you with it. And if you win a title and you want to take it home with you, I don't care. You take it home, you pop your old lady while you're wearing it. Cause you're like, yeah, I'm the champ. Hell yeah. Just as long as you bring it back until three of the belts walked off the same night and never came back. And that kind of changed his mind because that's not a cheap replacement. Even on the but, bargain end, that's like $800 to replace them all. Ooh, that's, that's how much one of those costs. Um, mine, the one I got was it's the one that I have is the same, Basically the same as the last belt I won. So the one you saw the picture of when I was in my Solomon gimmick, I'm guessing. It's it's mm-hmm. the same 
it's the same belt. It just didn't have the alterations to be specific to the company. Okay. So that one I got at a bargain because the place that had it wasn't selling it for $250. Like, and it, it, it is, it is solid. It is heavy. So, yeah, that that's what happened. Most companies are going to be like, all right, great, you're here, you're a champ, here's the belt, go out, do your thing. Whenever you come back at the end of the night, before you leave, give us the belt back. Because it's expensive. And I think the AEW belt was valued at, what, like $10,000 or something? Yeah, something like that. They had two. They had a backup, though. They made two. Uh, I would yeah. I would hope that yeah you would if you're if you consider yourself a major promotion you would have a backup yeah yeah see now I know the NWA back in the day because I was just reading the the book about the history that the champion actually in the NWA and I think this was true up until end of the nineties you had to put a deposit down on it mm-hmm. yeah we'll we'll get into that in a minute um, so then so then okay so you. So then, I don't know if you know this answer. So on the indie level, do you can you get them cheaper if you buy like a basic template? Like this company has like a template. Like, hey, put our logo on it. Can you get that cheaper than having like a totally custom made one? Or do companies not do like you could that? probably get it cheaper that way? But let's be honest, the guys who are making belts, that's I would be surprised for a lot of them if it's their full time gig, and so. You know, it, it's not like they're they're running charities or anything. Um, you're you're gonna, I mean, you're gonna pay for it. And if they if you're taking one you already have and altering it, it it's probably not a big deal. But you know, they they're still wanting to make a profit off of it. They still either had to make it or get it from somewhere. Um, there's there are some places that will actually do trades with you if you provide enough information to show it's in good shape but um you know you still got to cover the cost so how um how frail are they typically not okay you know it's it's not like they're even if they're on like a vinyl strap we're not talking the flimsy little stuff that you know you would reupholster a couch with you're talking like you know half inch thick and I was I was more thinking like the face plates like how easy do they get like nicked and stuff? They'll get scratched up, but they're generally pretty tough. Um, okay. I mean, you know, you don't sling one into a you don't sling one into a um, into a ring post or anything like that. But they're generally pretty tough. It, it's <laughs> there's some people they pick up some of the replica ones and it's got the plastic facing on it and they're like oh belts you know cheap as hell. If that was the case, then someone picking one up and running and whacking someone in the head with it means that plate would crack down the middle. I know, like, um, I read an article about the replica belts, and we're talking years ago, probably, like, I think in the late 2000s, someone talking about, like, the difference between, like, a real belt and a replica belt, and they were even going into, like, how the, the straps are different and all that stuff, and they were just talking about, like, how... The replica belts look nice, but they're actually fairly cheap quality compared to like an, an illegitimate like championship belt. A legitimate belt's going to be made on like real leather. And... Yeah, I would imagine. Like, are are the replica ones? I mean, I've held them, but I, I can't really. I didn't like study it per se. Are they actual real leather? Or is it? 
No, they're like they're stiffer because they're like a, like a fake leather, but they have like hmm. they're toughened up with like I think like cardboard in like the strap and stuff, mm. or like a cardboard like thing. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. If well, if you look at anybody's title belt, they wander like an, an actual big company title belt. You notice that there's a lot of flexibility to it, and the straps hang and stuff like that. Replica belts typically they, don't. They they definitely are stiffer. Yes. Yeah. So, um, speaking of belts, this is just a, an aside. I know you brought this up, Shad, like uh, offline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that they have a replica, at least a, a replica child's twenty four seven title. Yeah. How? Many times are those replica belts going to be defended at like a big wrestling show like WrestleMania by the I fans? I, it's going to be like you're just going to see a, a lot of 24/7 champions in, yeah. over the course of okay. a long weekend. My favorite, my favorite was the DDT one where um, they're at Comic Con and like a Spider Man cosplayer stole it, <laughs> and Joey Ryan like I pinned the wrong Spider Man. And the other guy has the belt, and like Frankie Kazarian grabs him, and Christopher Daniels just smashes him in the face of like the Ring of Honor like tag team title belt, and then they pin him like on the floor of Comic Con. <laughs> I may or may not be going to one of those soon and be looking to do that exact thing. So, uh, if I get video, I'll, sh- I'll share it with you guys. Uh,. <laughs> So, uh, any other any other jokes we want to make about Jericho and the title before we go to more belt shenanigans? It reminds me, um, this just came into my head, but it kind of reminds me of when he was in WCW and he was like going out for a match um, with Goldberg or something and he did like the spinal tap thing where he just kept wandering around the back and couldn't find the entrance. He did that in Lexington, Kentucky. I oh, have really? uh, yes, I have that on VHS. And then, if you really want me to throw a curveball at you, one of the promoters I worked for, he asked his wife to marry him at that Thunder because it was on Thunder. Wow, interesting. Mm, so yeah, because uh, he's walking around. Hello, Lexington, and he throws open the curtains. And there's a wall there, and he's standing there looking at it. And I remember Shivani going, eh, uh, that's a wall, Chris. That's a wall. And I, he was supposed I, to face Wrath. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. You know, I I thought that was funny at the time, but I didn't see Spinal Tap until a couple years later, and I didn't understand what he was doing until I saw Spinal Tap. It, it got funnier once you got the reference, didn't it? So, anyway... Um, Brad, Which is a great movie if you're if you're younger and haven't seen it. Spinal Tap, you can get it cheap. Watch it; it's great. Yeah. Also, tonight I'm going to rock you. Tonight is way more fun than you would think it is. So, Brad, you were telling me that this thing with Jericho reminded you of another incident with a belt, right? In the '60s. Well, okay, so I don't. There's not a lot of details because, unfortunately, um, I just saw it in passing. But I guess Bruno San Martino had like the WWE. WF title stolen out of his car while he was eating at a restaurant. <laughs> but I don't know many details past that other than that happened. I'm guessing because of the era, I don't know if it was returned or not. I'm guessing someone pawned it, though, because it'd be a little easier in the 60s. Yeah. But actually, my favorite my favorite title belt shenanigans story is 
There was a wrestler in the 80s and early 90s called the Snowman. Uh, Google him <laughs> just because it sets a nice uh, it sets a nice picture. They kind of did this like shooty angle in the USWA with him. So he won the title from Jerry Lawler, and then he tried to pawn the belt for drug money. As one does. Yes. Oh, man. So that's probably the most like infamous like a wrestler <clears throat> does some shenanigans with a belt. Well, um, now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Hang on. Does it shock anybody that a wrestler in the 80s named Snowman pawned a title for drug money? No. The, the joke that I made off the air when we were getting ready to do this was the, um, the fact that uh, uh, there was it was in D.C. It was a new Guardians villain named Snowflame who was powered by cocaine like Dr. Roxo. Um Except uh, Lynn Cara had had the character show up in some of his videos. And so the statement, Snowflame is stealing your shoes, popped into my head as soon as Brad told that story. So just imagine he's got the title and he runs out the door um, and, and runs to the pawn shop because he's like, I'm running out of powers. I need more cocaine. Wow. Yeah. So... So yeah, that's uh, that that's what came into my head. I've been hitting the head a lot. Um, so, so then we have some other stories. Um, there's obviously Stan Hansen ran over the AWA World Title when he had that dispute with them before going back to All Japan. Wait, he ran over it? Yes, with his truck. No, I think it was with his tractor. He ran over it. <laughs> And he he had like a justification for it, like, but I don't remember what it was, but it, like his justification for it was hilarious. Like, oh, I just had it like and it fell in front of my tire or something right. like ridiculous. Some, like that. But yeah, he he some, like ran it over with his truck and mailed it back to the AWA because the AWA was trying to tie him down to keep him from going to Japan. Right. Well, no, they wanted him to job and I don't think they had discussed it beforehand and he wanted to confer with Baba. Yeah. And then it ended with him leaving and it disputed. And then he like, right. because I think he was good. I think he was going on a tour as the AWA champion. Oh, and they wanted to change it right before that tour. And he wasn't cool with that because he was loyal to Baba. So he left, did that tour as the AWA world champion, like, you know, unofficially and then ran over the belt and like sent it back. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I got you. So then the, the next one, I don't remember how this ended, but remember Hacksaw Jim Duggan kept the belt after WCW closed? The TV title. Yeah, yeah. the TV title. And then he put it up on eBay around, was that 2005 or 2006? It was around his cancer surgery, I think. Hang on. It, on was, it was like 2003. Okay. Now, was there, there was an issue with that. Wasn't there like the person like, didn't pay or something. Uh, I thought there was some drama surrounding like the winner of that. Hang on. I'm trying, I'm trying to look it up. My search actually took me to posts in 2003. The ended last bid was over $7,000. Hmm. 
Yeah, I remember it being like five thousand when I saw it on eBay at the time. Which is a shame. You know, I, I liked the look of the um, the TV title. I thought the TV title looked like a really good title. Um, but uh, it didn't come anywhere. I don't. My understanding was that he he sold it because he needed to pay for you know cancer treatment. Um, which it's a crying shame that someone as popular as Jim Duggan had to do this, right? The early 2000s were a weird time, though, because a lot of those guys, the whole idea of, like, going to a convention and paying someone for an autograph was not, like, as well known at the time. And, like, a lot of those guys... Really, a lot of those guys kind of lucked out that around, you know, 2007 and 2008, that people became really willing to fork over like 50 bucks to get their picture with you and right. have you sign something. Okay, so I, I looked it up real quick. Um, Hall found, or Duggan, quote unquote, working as a janitor, um, found it in the found trash that, that Scott Hall had thrown it in. Never mind yeah. that this is in a different building in a different city. Because apparently they take their trash with them. He claimed it is his, started defending it, and was never beaten for it. And it was abandoned April 10th, 2000, when Russo and Bischoff declared all the titles vacant. So Duggan just had it. Also, going back to the USWA Unified title, someone actually owns that now. Like, it's someone paid for it and has it like a collector has that now. Hmm. Do they really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so I guess the most famous case we're going to talk about is when Ric Flair jumped to the WWF in 91 because him and Hurd were going at it. And I think the problem, I think the reason he took it, and I mean, I think he was justified at the time because he put a 25, was it $25,000? That's the usual amount I hear talked about. So I guess this is still at that point, he had to put a $25,000 deposit down. And when things broke down, I think they told him to go screw on that. So he took the belt with him. And they didn't return his deposit. Because that was right. that was the old NWA title, right? No, that was big gold. Oh, it was big gold. Okay. So that's why, that's where like the, if you watch stuff in 92 and 93, they have that weird like, kind of really generic belt that they made like on an emergency basis Mm -hmm. that was the one that That, vader had wasn't it yeah and then the the, when he came back big gold came back as the international oh yeah i remember that they they called it i think they initially didn't they initially call it like the nwa title Maybe, yeah, they cause but, they had the NWA belts come back, and you know the NWA stupid, so that fell apart. Yeah, yeah, they that like uh, <laughs> that partnership did not last long, but they kept the belt for some reason, and then Rick Rude had it as the uh, the international title, mm-hmm. and then I think didn't they like consolidate that? They like merged it with something else. It just kind of like fell by the wayside. I think they merged it back with the world title. They yeah. Did. They had a unification match between the international and the world title. I don't remember who was in it off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm, they, I want to say maybe Flair and Vader, but that doesn't sound right. Yeah, because they had didn't they that they also were using that I think as part of their um their kind of uh, collaboration with New Japan because 
uh, I think Shona won the like the the title. Yeah, one of the first G ones that was like the prize at the end. Because mm-hmm. I remember it was like I think it was Rick Rude versus Chono, and then Chono won, and they were putting like the big gold around his waist. Yeah. So if I'm reading this right, I might not be. Okay, internet. The people that held the international title: Rude, Sting, Flair, and Hiroshi Hase. Hiroshi Hase. Hase. Sorry. Sorry, stupid American here. Um, no, it's tough. I it <laughs> takes me like a long time to figure. I, I basically have to listen to English commentary to see how to pronounce the correct name. I still want to say it sometimes if I don't like hear it. Okay. Or read his name. For so it was vacated. Uh, let's see. In Japan, the title was vacated, and then they it's Sting versus Vader for the vacant title. And that was on May 22nd, 94. On June 23rd, 94, Flair beat Sting to unify the heavyweight title with the International in North Charleston. Okay, that makes sense. That went on longer than I thought, actually. So, yeah, here, here it is. And we're talking. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's like, well, why, why the hell don't we just look it up, right? Well, because I know I only remember that because Rude never actually held the WCW world title, but he held the international. That's really how I remember it. Right. The autographed Vader picture that I have, he's holding the international title in. So and and obviously he shows up in the WWF with it and then they get into the legal situations and they took the belt away from him. And then they started editing it on TV. But he was just wearing he was just wearing like an old tag title. Yeah. When they were doing it. But he'd that. walk around holding it up and they'd pixel it out on TV. I loved that. That I going back and watching it, it was I love that. That's that's I think that's quality heat right there. But he did have the legitimate belt like uncensored on TV a couple times, I remember. Okay. Cool. Now, here's the thing. Flair got in trouble with the title belt again later on in life. Because I think he had the old end, the original old NWA title and secured a loan from, like, high spots and put that up as collateral. And that sounds then familiar. De- then defaulted on the loan. So high spots had the title. Like had the had the physical NWA half dome belt. I I think that's right. But yeah, there is there is a solid. I don't know if it's still true, but there was a solid eight years where don't give Ric Flair money. Yeah, well, it'll just end poorly. I, let's be honest with you. I, I think that's still the case right now. That's why he took Ring of Honor for a he took Ring of Honor for a for a spin because. For all of TNA's faults, they actually told him no on one of those. Yeah. Because well, they were actually... TNA, of all people, were smart enough to realize he was going to take the money and run. Right. Well, he's like he's currently feuding with the WWE right now. Right. Because um, he's he's claiming that Becky Lynch is the man, uh, you know, nickname and uh, the merchandise they've been pulling from that. Uh, that that's he owns basically they should be giving him money for that because it's i i presume his argument is that it's similar to you know to be the man you gotta you gotta beat the man yeah i I just saw that he's being a little i think i it's speaking as someone who has a legal background 
it, it, I think it's a tenuous connection. Yeah. Yeah. But he's trying to get some cash because he, he claims <laughs> he's just trying to provide a legacy for his family, but, you know, financial legacy, that is. But, uh huh. I think he's it's, just, uh, he's, a, he's a still a bit of a carny. He's trying is, to. Is Rick in. getting divorced again? <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> Did he get married again? That's a again? perennial. That's a perennial question, Chad. Yeah. It's not even. Yeah, he got married again. It's not so much did he get married again. Said did he get divorced again? Mm-hmm. If Wikipedia is to be believed, the original domed globe belt is at WWE headquarters. So. You know. I... As much as I love Ric Flair, the performer, like there's a lot of stuff that goes on with him, especially in the last like 15 years where you just shake your head and are just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, can you just like for once, like at least mature into your like 30s? Yeah, it's D'Lo Brown put it once this way. Like D'Lo was very careful with his money and he lives comfortably now. But his um, his statement was, if I had one year that Ric Flair had, I would never have had to work again in my life. And he's broke. Well, uh, D'Lo Brown was also has a CPA, I think. Yeah. But you, you get what I'm saying is, yeah, you know, that's, 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 um, that's rough. That's, yeah. that's rough. Okay. Oh, well. So then we were, we also wanted to talk about, I guess, in storyline abuses of title belts. Well, hang on, because we've got one that that was also, it was not a storyline thing, but it showed up on TV. And that was in the late 90s, WWF champion Shawn Michaels. Oh, yes. Posing for Playgirl, mm-hmm. basically just wearing the belt. Yeah. Yep, that happened. It was covering up little Sean. <laughs> covering up the kibbles and bits, or the twig and berries, or the wedding tackle, or whatever amusing term you like to use for it. And I can't help but think that whoever won it, was that was it Austin that ended that reign? No, that was the reign that I think ended because the... 57 Marines beat his ass in the parking lot. <laughs> so it was vacant. Who won it after that? I don't... Um, that I think Brett won it, and then Sid beat him, and then um, Undertaker beat him, and then Brett won it back, then Sean won it, then Austin won it. So yeah. if Brett won it immediately, or Brett was the first person to win it, I just imagine he gets backstage... And he breaks out a thing of Clorox wipes, and he's just sitting there wiping it down, going, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> now, Brett probably, knowing Brett, he probably burned it and just had it made. <laughs> okay. So I wanted now, to I think, that I think that's that the one. The... I think that's the one that ended with that, because Sean only legitimately lost it once. No, I take that back. He, he legitimately lost, lost it twice because Sid beat him. Sid beat him, and then Austin beat him. Yeah. So, okay. Now we were going to go into storyline stuff. I had to bring that one up because, you know, shenanigans, right? This is this whole thing about belt shenanigans. And hopefully no one's going to pistol whip us for saying shenanigans. I think the, I think the, I think the most recent one that's really, that was really well done is when they let Naito 
pretty much just over the course of several months just destroy the New Japan Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Which that was cool. Did you ever like? Did you watch like the the pictures after event shad of the belt like slowly just getting more and more destroyed? <laughs> you sent me a couple of pictures, and it, it it looked like it was in rough shape. Oh, he would just like. I think there was one where like he just came to the ring. And, like, he didn't have the belt around his waist. He just had it on the floor, and he was just kicking it to the ring the whole time. Wow. And he would just, like, chuck it across, like, the building and stuff. It was great. I imagine that that's that's serious heat in Japan. And, um, because what happened is they pretty much commissioned a new one, so they were just like, here, like, trash it. Like, get yourself over. And that's what he did. (laughs) Okay. That's fun. Oh, I mean, he beat he beat the I mean he beat the shit out of it. Were you watching? <laughs> were you watching a lot at the time, Matt? I, I think we had talked about it previously. I think I saw some of that. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've got that. Uh, some other fun uh, storyline belt shenanigans. This is not a title belt, but it, I think it belongs in this um, this category. But there was there was that sad time on Nitro when Norman Smiley murdered Pepe the horse. Oh, oh, poor Pepe! Probably one of my favorite Nitro moments of him backstage riding the horse to the wood chipper, and then just chucking it in and Chavo like freaking out. He was so happy to do it too. Like, I know Norman Smiley's supposed to be the bad guy in that. He was so happy to go do this. He's riding Pepe along. Come on, Pepe, let's go, let's go. He was so tickled. I guess finally to be having a storyline on TV, I don't know, but... Yeah, that was like a couple weeks into them actually pushing him. Yeah. I I'm, uh, I was so, so doubtful of that whenever it first happened, because he was a jobber for so long. Like, he... The first time my brother and I saw him on Nitro, we cracked up because the way he came out and he had the he had the trunks with no pads anywhere and like the shoes that matched the trunks. And the problem was it to me, it made it 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 didn't look professional at all. And he comes out and he does his little like pull the arrow and shoot and looks to see where it lands. And then he said in that. Norman Smiley Boy, WCW, where the big boys play, and we cracked up. We, we, we could not. And the problem, I couldn't take him seriously. All I did was see him being, you know, just beat up all the time. And then he's on TV, and I'm like, uh, okay, let's see what happened. Like, because he had a mini feud with, with Ernest Miller, and then Ernest Miller beat him up. I was like, what are we doing? And then he, he's so happy, and he just pitches it in the wood chipper, and he's so happy to do it. I was on board at that point. Also, best body slam ever. That Smiley does in general, or? Yeah, that one where he, like, he picks them up, and he kind of, like, swings them down and up. Yeah. 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 He's a real guilty pleasure. I mean, he was a good worker, uh-huh. but he was so entertaining and kind of, like, late 90s WCW. Because... Late 90s WCW has a lot of guilty pleasures for me, especially like when they were doing those. Um, oh, what were those called with Jerry Flynn? Like the the ice, like the, the you know, where they'd like do like the 
boiler room brawls or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Block matches. Yes. Because, like, he always struck me as, like, he he should have been cast, like, in in um, the Karate Kid as, like, a Cobra Kai guy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he looked like that. He looked like the... Before we got the Cobra Kai follow-up series, Jerry Flynn looked like uh, looked like he was the uh, be going bout sensei. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a low rent sensei, John Kreese. Yeah, yeah. I've expressed before my appreciation for Jerry Flynn. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, you have. I have. Uh, I stand by that. What else? As do I. I stand by my appreciation for uh, Sergeant Craig Pickman. Yes. <laughs> You know what's going to happen, Brad? The, the beatings are going to continue. The beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> I, 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 I truly love Sergeant Craig Pittman. Like we were so excited. I think was it the '96 Great American Bash where he came out for like the national anthem, and we were all giddy like a bunch of assholes. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I remember us talking about that. I, I. I just like the expressions on his face, because you look up, if you Google pictures of him, he always has like some psychotic look on his face. So then I think, I think some other on screen belt shenanigans that are memorable. Um, Austin chucking the intercontinental title into the river. Now, that was after The Rock won it, right? He had to vacate it because of the injury he sustained because of Owen. Okay. So they. They awarded it to The Rock, and then I think he chucked it in the river. Okay, I was response. I was trying to remember the circumstances by which The Rock... I knew The Rock was supposed to have it, but I didn't remember the circumstances by which he came by it. I could be wrong on that, because it's been a really long time. Okay, yeah, I, I but I remember very... It was one of the first Raws that I watched. Austin standing there, and he's got things of The Rocks, you know, his pager... And and I can't I can't remember everything else. He says, "Oh, but this last thing here." And he holds up the Intercontinental title, and everyone wigs out. And he goes, "You know, I can't even remember what he said, but he just pitched it off there." And I remember thinking to myself, "That wasn't really the belt, was it? That couldn't really be the belt, could it? Come on, I, right?" I actually just talking about the Intercontinental title. I actually remembered a real life one to take a moment back, but. There was Jeff Jarrett in 1999 holding Vince up for like 200 grand because his contract oh. had run out and he was still the champion. He was still the champion. And they wanted him to job it to China. So he's like, nope, give me like, you got to, this is what I want. Yeah. You want me to, to job like this on the way out, but I still, because I remember there, like in WCW, the belt went back to the company. Because if you went into the 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 CNN Center in Atlanta, they would have like a cutout of whoever the champion was with the actual belt in a display case, except for when it was time for a show, and then they would take it there. But well, remember this is this is also off screen. I guess it counts as belt shenanigans. But Big Show is talking about the time <laughs> he beat Hogan, and Hogan's like, you know, you're the belt now, brother. You're the champion now, brother. You got to wear the belt at the airport so everyone knows you're the champ. Yeah. And so he's like wearing the belt around the airport and Sting comes up. He's like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like, take that off. <laughs> yeah. That's a great rib. I mean, that's a really great rib. <laughs> now that, that, that was one of the most 
You know what I like about that rib? Is it's funny, but it's not like sociopathically like almost criminal like a lot of wrestling ribs are. Yeah. There's there's some ribs that are just that are just mean and and it's, like damage your stuff and things like that. That one's just that one's just plain funny cuz the only thing that really gets hurt there is your pride. Yeah. So That's one of my favorites. I guess that counts as belt shenanigans though. I, good enough for me. Yeah. Um So then um also this one blurs the line but Medusa showing up on Nitro and throwing the WWF women's title in the trash. Yeah. I thought of that. I was actually going to bring that up because yeah, that was a uh, it seemed like a well, to the extent that you cared about the women's title belt, it did seem like a big thing at the time. Well, I kind of thought it was a big thing at the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly it's a it was a big fu. Yeah. Yeah. In the uh, in the Monday Night Wars. It was. Uh, yeah, it was front and center because she's just she's standing right there at the announce booth, holds the belt up. It had like a pink strap, didn't it? Or was no? It, it had a white. It was strap, a white strap. Okay. And she's holding the trash can and just drops it in. Now, I was accused because whenever she did her Hall of Fame abduction, didn't she pull it out of a trash can or something like that? Probably. Now, also in this era of WCW, and I think actually probably the most brilliant um, abuse of a title belt on television is Hulk Hogan spray painting the world title with NWO. Yeah. And the best part about that is when Luger beat him for it and then they like clean the belt up and then he won it back, he spray painted it even like on thicker that time. Yeah. Well, it, when Luger won it, I remember, I remember watching that whole thing very clearly. Luger won it. He comes in the back and not only are all the people in the WCW locker room cheering and like spraying champagne everywhere, but the giant had a bottle of paint thinner and a rag and he, the, that he hits the door, the first thing that starts happening is the Giants rubbing that off of there to show yeah. them, like, this is a this is a clear demonstration of why this matters, right? And, uh, I, I, you know, it worked really well. It was, it, it that just fit the whole NWA thing perfectly. Did we have other examples for on-screen? Because I know you had a couple, but I totally, like, spaced on them. Yeah, I had a couple more. Matt, did you have any others you wanted to throw in? No, the Medusa one was the one I was thinking of. Okay, I'm going to throw a recent one, and then I'm going to throw my favorite after that. Um, Recent one was before leaving, quote-unquote, WWE, CM Punk winning the title and still leaving with the belt. So there's pictures of social media. He stuck the belt in his fridge and things like that. And then John Cena and, and you know, John Cena wins to, to fill the vacated slot. And you have Punk come back and they both have a copy of it, like the, the title. So I, I know that's very much a storyline thing, but it's still shenanigans. And it's a... Um, you know, a whole summer punk thing, and it's, you know, holding... It's like, well, who's the real champion? It's like, well, it could... Punk never actually lost it. This isn't really, you know, up for debate, guys. But then, how are they going to... They couldn't figure out how else to sell the show, I guess. Am I the only one that remembers that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't paying real close attention around then, but I do remember seeing that. It was... uh, that was interesting. All right. 
So here's my favorite. And hopefully, hopefully you remember this and can jump in with me. I believe this was in 97, 98. Diamond Dallas Page is the United States heavyweight champion. He is on Total Request Live with the title, and they're talking about the match and uh, all that kind of stuff and showing the match he had with Raven. They're sitting there talking about it. And if you're if you're younger at home listening to this and you don't know about Total Request Live, I'm not sure. It's like it was like the reincarnation of American Bandstand, except it came on right after school instead of in the evening. It was to show our age. <laughs> that was a huge thing at the time. Yes. Yep. I get my Metamucil and my Walker. We got to yeah. show you what's what. And. Uh, so he's uh, he's sitting there and they're talking about it. And there was a thing where Lodi, he whacked him over the head with Lodi's sign, except it was poster board, but it wasn't really poster board because the it was poster board around a stop sign. Mm-hmm. They whacked him with. So they're sitting there talking about it. All of a sudden, they, it cuts back to the four of them sitting there talking. TRL Live, by the way, was broadcast from a studio that was in Times Square. That's how that's how much money it was making is they could have a studio in Times Square with a big glass window so you could look out into Times Square and see all the 13 and 14 year old girls flipping out and like beating on the glass. And so Paige is sitting there talking with him and it's also an indication of how big wrestling was at the time. And then the they're sitting there talking all of a sudden. Raven just steps into the frame and brains Paige with that stop sign. And it's loud. Just bang, right? And he looks at, he, Paige is just blah, laying there on the couch. And Raven walks in and he picks up the title. He says, the United States title. This should be mine. As a matter of fact, I think it will be. And they had a little coffee table in between them. Raven tosses the title on the couch, grabs Paige, even Flo DDTs him through the table, picks up the title, and leaves. And all of a sudden, we have this angle where Raven is such a sore loser that he jumped Paige and stole the belt back. So Paige is the champion, but doesn't physically have the belt. And Raven physically has the belt. Because he proclaims that he should still be the champion. And that got crazy heat. It was just crazy storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of miss those days when you had that sort of like crossover appeal. The kind yeah. of mainstream. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You could have so much fun on it. You never knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Right? Because it's like, who would have thought Diamond uh, DDP is on Total Request Live? And then as it turns out, Raven attacks him, and you're like, well, crap, I have to watch everything now. Yeah. And to, you, to see DDP and Carl Malone run run Hulk Hogan. I don't, I don't Dennis entirely. Rodman off the Tonight Show. I don't entirely know if we, if we could actually go back to those days. Because I don't know that there's anything nowadays that has like that, that kind of like everyone's watching this appeal because there's so much with like streaming services. I guess 
you'd have to find like you maybe <laughs> i think partly this is actually why like the elite guys got over because i think nowadays a lot of stuff is just like it's like youtube it's like yeah streaming or you know those sort of videos that you can get on social media platforms i don't know but yeah well, that was a really and, cool angle back in the day and and it's on demand now you don't have to watch it at a particular time it's going to be posted so you can watch it when it's convenient for you so um you know it was it was a really cool angle and it it that led into the ddp sting match that we talked about you know a while back and that sort of stuff so um it was you know it was a fun angle that's all i've got so have you guys got any others you'd want to add in Mm-mm. all right well then no. here's what i'm going to do then is i'm going to go ahead and wrap it here uh you folks listening at home what are belt shenanigan stories that that you enjoy what's what's some stuff that really uh you know, you really enjoy whenever it comes to belt shenanigans. We might have missed. What do you think about some of the stuff we talked about? Hit us on social media. Let us know. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth. And we'll see you next time. I take like a five-minute break.